0: and here we go welcome back to all of our wonderful amazing listeners we appreciate you so much for being here with us early on this friday morning though so energy and vibes all around very high we cannot wait for the weekend we're psyched huge any huge passover plans for you notice
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm actually going to be seeing my grandparents for the first time since Thanksgiving 2019. They've been locked in Florida, I guess kind of like you, uh, waiting for the vaccine. And I am no doubt stoked to see them. Not so stoked to not eat bread for eight days, but (laughs) just comes with it, you know?
0: Yeah, you know, it's definitely, that's what COVID has done to a lot of families, a lot of people. It's presented some challenges, but that's awesome for you, dude. I'm honestly so happy. I'm psyched.
1: And part of the way that we help people on this podcast alleviate those challenges is by giving them a real outlet to hear about topics that, that they enjoy and that matter to them. And those topics involve the NBA trade deadline and NFL free agency this week. So thank you for tuning in.
0: Yes, and uh, we won't beat around the bush too much longer, but a lot of breaking news throughout the week and all of the different sports we'll do our best to touch upon it all. Uh, coming up now so i mean without further ado let's jump right into it i have i i'm actually excited about this i don't have a trivia question of the week but i do have a question that i saw you know working its way around the nba twitter sphere and Mm -hmm. going viral a bit online who do you think is a better player all time just a better player when you look back at at all their careers (laughs) Is it Kyrie Irving or Allen Iverson? And spoiler alert. Allen
1: Iverson, no question, dude. No question. I can't believe, I saw you put this on the docket. I I don't even, I don't get how this is a question. One of them is a scoring champion and an MVP who could single-handedly take a team to an NBA Finals. The other one is at best, clearly a supplementary piece on a championship team. Did I hit it? Do we need to talk about this for even one more second? You took the words right out of my mouth.
0: I was going to say there is a right answer, and you nailed it. Um, I do just want to pose this, though. First of all, the reason I think it comes up is because younger fans now, they look at Kyrie, and they don't know about Allen Iverson. Like They were born in 2004. They didn't see Allen Iverson's title run. But that being said, Allen Iverson, he took a team to the finals and lost. How is that acceptable? Dude, if, And
1: I can't believe you're actually starting this with another crazy LeBron James agenda. I'm not gonna acknowledge that at all, but I do have a follow up better question before we get into our stats of the week for you. Okay. What is more therapeutic slash sends more warm chills down your spine? Scott Van Pelt telling you good night, or Michael Wilbon calling you a knucklehead.
0: One hundred percent Mike Wilbon saying knucklehead for whatever reason, like I, agree. I just always had I've been hearing him
1: call me that since I was like five.
0: He's been doing yeah, that forever. Dude.
1: It's when I was talking to someone about it this weekend. It's almost like every time Michael Wilbon says, thanks for tuning in knuckleheads. You want to be like, thanks dad.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, Tony Kornheiser, um, he's the real dad. That's my only
1: nugget there. And oh man, that's years. so funny. But you're back. So should we hit on our stats of the week? How about now? How'd do we do? <laughs> yeah, you're back.
0: Let's get into it. You go first.
1: All right. My stat of the week is that there is one team an NFL free agency who somehow through three weeks has not acquired a single free agent. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Only one team. One team has not acquired a single free agent. And that team is the green Bay Packers. And we hate to see that because Matt and I have been coming on for hashtag Rogers rights for the last few years saying that it's crazy that a franchise could have a Hall of fame quarterback, playing somehow close to his peak level of play and yet remains so uncommitted to a title push. We said this when they drafted Jordan Love last year with numerous receivers who ended up having amazing seasons on the board. And we're saying it again now that, you know, they thought about trading for Will Fuller at the trade deadline. They didn't. Will Fuller just went on a pretty inexpensive contract to Miami. They didn't bat an eye. You know, they threw money to retain Aaron Jones. That's fine. But at the end of the day, and this is all I'll say, Why did the Packers lose to the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship? They had two opportunities. People forget this. They had two opportunities to drive and win that game within the last three minutes. But at the end of the day, sure, Devontae Adams was Pro Football Focus's highest-rated receiver last season, with good reason. But you could not rely on Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Robert Tanyan to get open on an elite defense in crunch time, man-to-man. They couldn't do it. So Rodgers out here needs help, and I think the saddest headline I've seen in a year, that's not true, but a sad headline is that Aaron Rodgers has to ask the Packers, like, through the press, he asked the Packers, am I your long-term plan at quarterback? Like, are you committed to winning a title with me? Because, frankly, you know, we talk about how Deshaun, with good reason, was like, I want to be out of here. No one – has had better reason to be like, I want to be out of here than Aaron Rodgers. He's just stuck with it and they just keep throwing it in his face.
0: It's, that's a great, that's a great take. Everything you said is totally true. And just to add on to all of that, I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers, it's a fair question for him to ask. You know, his contract, it's not like he's locked up to a long-term deal. They drafted his replacement, his future replacement in the very first round of last year's draft. He's looking around like, what the heck? And also on top of that, You know, they mentioned, you mentioned them signing Aaron Jones and they did, but Aaron Jones, what came at the cost of their all pro center, uh, Lindsley. Um, and if you ask Aaron Rodgers who he'd rather have an all pro center or a maybe pro bowl running back, I think he, yeah, maybe he's uh, me, him, everybody's taking the all pro center every single time. And I think that's going to be a huge loss for the Packers. I mean, the strength of their team last year was their offensive line and keeping Rodgers upright. That's if that regresses at all. It's not like they improved anywhere else. And you said it: free agent class of wide receivers is great for whatever reason. They refuse to bring in anybody besides Devontae Adams. In on
1: anyone. You're telling me they didn't have the nine million dollars that the Jets spent on Corey Davis? Like really?
0: Yeah. I mean, they it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're talking about a team that has been to back-to-back NFC championships and gone thirteen and three in the last two regular seasons. Yet they just refuse to spend that marginal ten million dollars yeah. to make it to the Super Bowl and to push. They're knocking on the door and worried about being average six years from now with Jordan Love. So I really don't get it. We've been, you know, we beat this one to a pulp not only on this show but. Every show when we talk about football it's like free Rogers, so it's in Green Bay, I want you to thrive. I'm rooting for you, but help the damn man.
0: Could you imagine if Aaron Rodgers was like, "I'm done, trade me, I'm sick of this and I'm, I'm trying to win before I retire." And I'm, just could you imagine what kind of wrench that would throw into the NFL landscape? That would be crazy.
1: I frankly, I, I will be honest with you, you know this offseason is the first where we're really seeing quarterbacks exert their rights, quote unquote like NBA players are with Deshaun Watson effectively trying to force his way out. You know, Matt Stafford didn't do that. He's on the move and Russell Wilson is, is, you know, playing the field, if you will, he's going to stay in Seattle, but made it known that he doesn't have to. Um, And I always thought that the landmark moment of the NFL, when it pivots to the NBA would be Aaron Rodgers or an Aaron Rodgers type saying, I'm done with where I am. I don't have to put up with this. I want to go plug and play into another system like Denver, where they've got weapons and a good O line and a good defense, and I think I can win a title next year. And it's really no different from James Harden saying, I just want to be on the Nets, but it, there's a stigma around it in the NFL, and that's why it doesn't happen. But again, Rodgers, I'm not saying that he should be doing that. I'm all for his loyalty, obviously. I just wish the Packers would reciprocate that loyalty to him.
0: 100%. That was very well said. Um, and just to jump in, with that on that last point you made, because I very I feel passionately about it too, and I've said this on the show before. No position in any position in any sport ever has more leverage than an NFL quarterback. Yes. They have all of the leverage in the world. And I think, yes, it would take an Aaron Rodgers type quarterback to really shatter everything by requesting a trade. But you know, we saw Tom Brady, it didn't he it didn't happen that way. But Tom Brady kind of said, you know, he, he lined it up, so his contract was set yeah. to expire, and then he said, screw this. I'm going to Tampa with this great right. team, and he won the Super Bowl. So, and you see what happens when he takes the initiative and, and takes the team-friendly deal to put the pieces in place around him. So quarterbacks have so much leverage, and they never use it, and you're right. It, once they start realizing this and trying to force it, crazy stuff could happen around the NFL. It's going to be very interesting to see how Deshaun Watson, how that whole situation shakes out. Because, I, I mean, he's the most talented quarterback, I think, that's ever done this, demanding out. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and, However, but the, the Texans might not even need to trade him. So it's very interesting to see how it ultimately shakes out.
1: Right. I mean, I think ultimately, like, lit- litigation is what's holding up the NFL quarterback market right now. I think you'd see a lot more moves and a, a lot clearer landscape if we knew what was going on with Deshaun's allegations. But we're not going to oh, show
0: yeah Um, that's true all right my stat of the week is all right so I have two different ones here I'll share both of them with you because why not it's what we do why not first one 58 different wide receivers um in the last I think five or six seasons have had a thousand yard seasons since 2015 okay 58 different receivers have had thousand yard seasons it's happened over a hundred times zero of those wide receivers have played for the Philadelphia Eagles and it breaks my heart. They haven't had a good wide receiver in seemingly forever and it drives me crazy. And I hope it changes in the draft, but I don't even know. I don't know. So disappointing. You should
1: just draft another five, six receiver like Jalen Rieger. Oh, I know. It's okay though. I think, I think one of the funniest things that happens in sports is when an owner has to come out and say that this guy's my quarterback because that's just a sign that people in the organization are saying, "Hey, we don't think this guy should be the quarterback." Or like, Hey, can we can we look around at quarterback and, and Jeffrey Lurie's like, "Hey, everyone, wait! I'm going to make a statement to the press. <laughs> We're playing Jalen." Jeffrey
0: Lurie. I mean, I you're right, but he he is more involved than most, for better or for worse. But I mean, in the past, it's kind of worked pretty well because historically, the Eagles have been like a functional organization but not anymore the last year or so they've just turned into this dumpster fire that I can only laugh at honestly, at this point, just hope it gets better. But yeah, moving on from that one, my part one, a, I guess, stat of the week, James White, a Wisconsin boy had to throw him in, rep the city rep the school. James White re-signed with the new England Patriots on a one year deal. James White in his, for his career, he has 678 touches. He has zero fumbles. Pretty good. That's crazy for running backs. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, I guess that's why the, pa- the Patriots like having him around and they trust him so much. Zero fumbles. And, you know, it's no surprise. Wisconsin is RBU. So we're just always repping.
1: Wisconsin is RBU. I would say Alabama is really RBU, but they're also <laughs> everything you. Um, it is impressive that White's gotten so many touches without fumbling. God knows Bill Belichick loves that. Loves. Um, yeah. But I think that's all we got on that one, right?
0: Yeah, that's all we got for Stats of the Week. Now we're going to move into everybody's favorite segment. It's crazy. Everyone loves it. You reach. I teach. We're dishing out the hottest takes on the entire interweb, and we're talking about them. So I got one sticking with the NFL before we move into the NBA. This one for me. Looking back at this, uh, I guess, initial wave of free agency, my biggest winner are the Cleveland Browns, and I feel so silly for saying it, but I kind of have high expectations for Cleveland this season. Is that crazy?
1: No. I mean, they were a very competitive team last season, and I know your take I mean, but it, and it makes sense, which is that what did the Browns really lack last year? A back end of their defense – and now they've signed 40% of the Rams' secondary in Troy Hill. And what's his name? John Johnson. That's John
0: Johnson?
1: That's the best name. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say that his parents lack a certain creativity, if you will. And he's John
0: Johnson the third, So Wow. They've been doing this. <laughs> yeah. I
1: guess his great, great, great grandparents lack a certain creativity. But nonetheless, you have a bad secondary. I mean, remember they gave up like 550 yards to Dak or something in a single game? And that that plagued them all season. It's really bad. It's not good. (laughs) Um, Great up front with Miles Garrett. Solid, solid O-line. Good run game. The offense is well-rounded. They really were just hampered by this one issue. And when you bring in two out of the five players that start in the league's best secondary, you're going to get better. And they got them on pretty good deals. So I do agree. Shout out the Browns. But I will wager that I think no one upped their competitiveness as a football team this season, this offseason, more than the Washington football team has. When you look at them landing Curtis Samuel, and now you've got – here's a fun fact about the Washington football team in the open field next season. Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin, those are receivers number two and six in yards after the catch last year. Logan Thomas is number three among tight ends in yards after the catch. J.D. McKissick is number two among running backs in yards after the catch. And you throw in Antonio Gibson. This squad, which has a filthy defense already, is shadily a quarterback away. And, like, all I can think about is don't give them Sam Darnold for a second-round pick because they will be nasty good.
0: I mean, you're totally right. And, again, it seems crazy. The two teams that I have such high hopes for this season are the Cleveland Browns and the Washington football team. Like, what kind of twilight zone are we living in? But have a name. They don't have a name, and they said that <laughs> they might keep the Washington football team name forever, probably just as long as Dan Snyder's around, but whatever. The Washington football team, you said it, they are basically a quarterback away, and we saw that in the playoffs when Taylor Heineke was able he to just back. slide in, and he, w- he was actually pretty good in that game, and he got a good contract for it, so shouts to him for securing the bag. But, yeah, I mean, you didn't even really mention their defense. This Their front seven is really what this team is all about. You bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has shown, you know, he's a, he's capable. He'll take you to the playoffs. He, he's a capable quarterback of winning games. He's a Ryan. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I mean, say- dude, he took the – he took the Dolphins. He had them in first place in the AFC East. Like, I, I, I don't know what happened with him, but all of a sudden now, I think he's like this amazing quarterback. He's like top 15 in the league, which might be a Dude, reach of itself. Top the
1: league. yeah, I mean, that's a scorching hot take that I could jump down about because he <laughs> could just list 15 quarterbacks that are better than Patrick Fitz Ryan, But nonetheless, listen, I get the take. Well-rounded football team, a quarterback away from being really real um, and by the way, Fitz a great guy to develop someone under. So I would love to see them throw Sam Darnold into the mix, truly, and um, let there be a quarterback competition to bring the best out of everyone, you know?
0: And also, I mean, just going back to the Packers, the Packers need to look at what's going on in Washington and take a page out of their book. They had scary Terry McLaurin, wide receiver one. He's great, and nobody else. And they said, okay, we're going to go get Curtis Samuel in free agency. We're gonna, like, they are willing to bring in people to help and compliment their team, something the Packers just don't do. So Most teams are. Yeah, I mean – but, you know, back to the Browns real quick, that's how I started this take. Um, Got to shout out their GM because it's – I think it's the first time in our entire lives where they're not a dumpster fire and they're actually operating like a functional football team. You said the additions to their secondary. I anticipate those being huge. They beefed up their defensive line. They added Malik Jackson, amongst others. So they've got some depth all around on offense. They're going to get Odell Beckham back into the fold, which will be very interesting, actually, because... Yeah, we'll see what his deal is. I mean, you can't tell me that Odell's not a good player, and it's so crazy now. Everybody all of a sudden is like, Odell sucks. Odell does not suck at all. They just need to figure out how to use him properly. And it was clear the chemistry was not there with Baker, but if they figure it out, you can't tell me that Odell Beckham Jr. hurts your football team. You no, I
1: def- I'm so with you on that. Um, I do find it noteworthy also that he plays for a team named after the color of his bedsheets.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I actually totally forgot about that, too. That's a yeah. crazy story. I don't even know what to say about that.
1: <laughs> no, do you think it's uh, true? Google that one. Google Odell bedsheets.
0: Do you fire. think it's true? I'll just say it. Odell Beckham, the rumor was that he enjoys pooping on people. And honestly, I'm not buying it for a second. But crazier things have happened. Like, do you believe it? Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's, that's fair. That's fair. All right. I oh, think I now. Wait, one more thing, and I don't want to spiral off too much, but just a, a, one more thing I wanted to add on the Browns. And kind of going back to the whole quarterback situation, I've shared this thought with you in the past. NFL teams, instead of now paying their quarterbacks when the rookie contract is up, because what we've seen happen is every single quarterback that hits free agency resets the market and gets this ludicrous deal that ultimately I think hamstrings your franchise. If you're signing a quarterback to $40 million and they eat up 30% of your salary cap, you're just not going to be able to get all the pieces you need to be a good complete team that competes for the Super Bowl. So if you're the Cleveland Browns, In the next year or two, they're going to have a very interesting decision to make on Baker Mayfield. Because I think Baker Mayfield is not the type of quarterback that you can just throw onto a roster and have him elevate everything. I think Baker needs to be complemented by the pieces around him, which the Browns, to their credit, have done a good job doing. We just mentioned all the weapons they have on both sides of the ball. But if you pay Baker Mayfield, you're not going to be able to afford both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. You're not going to be able to have the best offensive line in all of these things. So when Baker's deal expires, the Browns should move off of him and they should draft someone else maybe even this year to take a shot and see if they can find it because I don't think it's worth paying Baker this ridiculous deal. And I see that you're already going to call me crazy, but it's you can't pay Baker Mayfield – Dak
1: Prescott money. You just can't. I agree. You can't pay him Dak Prescott money today, but let's call it a prove it year for him. I mean, if they draft a quarterback right now, that's also insane. Like, you want to talk about toxic (laughs) locker room, but they're going to spend their first round pick on a quarterback. There's a team that really felt like they had a chance at winning a title last year and got gypped in the playoffs. So they want to just add that extra piece, whether it be on the offensive line. Or drafting someone else for their secondary, or throwing another slot receiver into the mix, they want to make a title run now, and those guys are committed to Baker. So you obviously can't draft a quarterback, dude. You but can. You don't have close it this year. You can explore it in the off season. You it don't here for Baker. That's all.
0: That's – it's – yes, that's fair. And I'm not saying cut him and just get rid of him completely. No, not am guy. But I'm also not saying spend a first-rounder on him. Maybe spend a third-rounder on not – maybe not one of the higher-end guys. All I'm saying is it's kind you of – It sounds insane. I, I know. It's insane. It sounds insane. It sounds cold-hearted. It sounds totally crazy. But we see Bill Belichick do this with all of his players, and it's kind of his philosophy. Get rid of players one year too early – Rather than one year too late and screw right. your team.
1: And so, we, we see how that worked out with Tom Brady, right? Yeah. I mean got rid of him one year too early and look at where the Pats are today versus the Bucks. So it's a winning philosophy.
0: Yes. Well, listen, it it was a winning philosophy for twenty years until it came to Tom Brady. But listen sometimes
1: your quarterback is the exception. That's what we learned. Um, I guess
0: so. But Baker's not Tom Brady. That's the whole thing. He's not the exception. I get it. So I'm just – it sounds cold-hearted. I don't think
1: they need to light a fire under him.
0: They need to keep one eye towards the future because it's not Baker.
1: All right. Massive things are happening in basketball. Can we switch over to those?
0: Yes, and I know you got your reach, so hit me with it.
1: All right. My reach for the day is going to be that I think the Boston Celtics were very wise to go for Fournier and not Aaron Gordon, but they still got big-time problems. So let me just unwrap that a bit, if you will. The Celtics absolutely could have had Aaron Gordon if they were willing to include Marcus Smart, but they weren't. And why I think that that is a smart and necessary step is because there's trouble in Boston right now. They're one of the worst fourth quarter teams in the NBA and a team that is supposed to be loaded. And we talked about the treasure chest of picks and who would you rather be right now than the GM of the Boston Celtics? These were things we said for years, but they sit below 500 right now at 8th in the Eastern Conference, because they're two young guys, and all the draft picks now that have gone away, they're two young guys, Tatum and Brown, need help in a major way, both on the defensive end and on the offensive end. They need another creator. So you trade for Fournier instead of Gordon, who is – I mean, Fournier is averaging 20 a game this year, shooting 39% from deep. He not only gives you space, but he can take off some pressure, create his own shot. That, to me, is smart, and you can't get rid of Marcus Smart because – when you're a team that's struggling and suddenly things are coming and questioning your coach, that's when you can't get rid of your defensive anchor. It's like if Bill Belichick, people ever started to come from him, come for him, only he hadn't won a ring and you trade Julian Edelman, you can't do that. Like Marcus Smart is their workhorse. He is the culture of that Boston team. And if they traded him and still kept playing badly this season, people would be really coming for Brad Stevens' job, and they might already be.
0: It's – Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Brad Stevens is on the hot seat just yet, but like you said, there is real trouble happening in Boston, and I like that you emphasized Marcus Smart because he is their best defender. Like When when the Celtics need to guard a big man, like their best big man, they put Marcus Smart on him, and it's crazy because I think all the Boston Celtics troubles really started when Marcus Smart went down with his calf injury and he missed extended time. I really don't understand why they would trade for Evan Fournier. I can't figure it out.
1: It made- Well, they traded for like three months of Evan Fournier also because he is on an expiring contract. And you gave up two second-round picks, which sure might not have even turned into players that are on the roster, but they're somewhat of an asset. I think that this is a move to quell the fire right now because I think that there is more internal complication – on this Boston Celtics team then people understand, because this is not a team that thought they'd be the eighth seed this year. This is a team that thought that they would be competing for a title or certainly for an Eastern conference title. They felt like they were right there with Miami last year. And boy, have they <laughs> taken steps back. The depth they have known forever is gone. There yep. are Kemba is a defensive liability and he is all they've got at point guard. The trove of picks are gone. What you're left with is just a team of Brown and Tatum who are like, who add up to like 40 years old. So you got to appease these guys for now. You got to get them some help before they start coming out and saying, we're a poorly managed team and start thinking about their options elsewhere. Because the truth is these Boston Celtics aren't contending this year. And I don't see them contending next year or the year after.
0: Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are their entire team and they're both like the same player. They're both the six
1: playing too many minutes.
0: They're both six, eight wings that are, yes, they're being overused. Jalen Brown is probably their second best defender outside of Marcus smart. So he's guarding their best perimeter players and then expected to carry the entire offensive burden. Jalen Brown actually said this week, he wishes he had more explosion to his game. He's just worn down at this point. But that's what I don't understand. Your two best players are the same, 6'8 wings. So what do you go and do at the deadline? You bring in a 6'8 wing. I, li- I, I don't get it. And also, your biggest problem, you don't have a big man. They have no defensive, like rim-protecting big man. They don't. It was Daniel Tice, and he's not even that good. And what did they do with him? They shipped him off too. Right. So I really don't understand what their goal is. I think their goal is to just be an entire roster of six, eight wings and future first-round draft picks. And this is why another point that might be a little crazy, I always emphasize having caution. A team now that fits the bill is the Thunder. Everyone looks at the Thunder and Sam Presti, oh, my God, they have 30 first-round picks in the next three years. Like, they're going to be amazing. These first-round picks, first of all, you got to get it right, which isn't a sure a thing teams. by any stretch. And then, I mean, they have to develop. You don't see rookies coming in and leading teams to the finals. You know, winning time in the playoffs, you see a guy like Luka Doncic last year. He had a great playoff moment against the Clippers. He hit his game-winning shot. And, yeah, I mean, that was cool. He won a game, but he didn't win the series. And you see the Mavs this year, they're barely making the playoffs again. So he's still got some ways to go, I think, before he actually starts winning. The guys that are winning titles are LeBron, KD, AD. These guys are like grown men. They're not still kids. So I, the draft picks are good, but all it is at the end of the day is potential, which um, is not an asset when you need it, when there's five seconds left and you need a game winning shot, you don't go to your potential. You need guys that hit shots and you need real players and, I don't know. I'm like the biggest Celtics hater right now. I don't think they have a plan. None of what they're doing makes sense. They're Defensively, they're so screwed. Offensively, it's just incredibly redundant with the guys they have. My last point I will say, and you mentioned it, Kemba Walker, sort of been disappointing in Boston.
1: Super disappointing.
0: I, I wonder if the Celtics had just kept Terry Rozier instead of, making all the moves that they ultimately had to make for Kemba if they would have been better off in the long run. I don't know. But Terry Rozier is, gives you exactly what Kemba Walker gives you, maybe even more, because Kemba it can't play defense. You can't nope. finish the game with You can't finish a playoff game with Kemba Walker on the floor because if any good team will just hunt him. So yep. the Celtics, they were, they were like, a top four team in the east. I don't know if they're still on that upper echelon of teams now with the east no. getting good and deep. So, yeah, I mean the Celtics, like you said, they got
1: real problems. They're stuck in no man's land. And by the way, you want to know why they traded Tice? You're like, I can't wrap my head around why they would, you know, they need a big man so badly. Their problem is defense. Why are they moving a guy who started more than half their games in the last 2 years? I mean, basically started the last 2 years in the center. Because doing that allowed them to avoid paying the luxury tax on Fournier's contract. Of course. So, huh. so, so I, fiduciary duty, if you will.
0: Um, I mean, also, also show some love a little bit. Robert Williams the third. I don't know how tall he is. I don't think he, he's like 6'10 tops. I mean, let, we can look this up. But he's been having a yeah, – there you go. He's six eight because I guess that's the only height you can be if you're going to play for the Celtics is 6'8". But Robert Williams, he's had a good season. He's just not like that rim protector. He's just like a hustle yeah. energy guy. So, I mean, I hope John Moyer's listening to this because he used to tell me how the Celtics were going to be like the best dynasty that the league has ever seen because they're so amazing. The Boston Celtics are legitimately bad. I'll say they
1: are (laughs) and they could have traded Tatum for Anthony Davis but that's a whole other wormhole to explore
0: and I bet you some point today there will be a report that says they were two seconds away from landing Nikola Vucevic but they didn't want to give up somebody who's terrible and these are the decisions that cost you you got to go all in you got to risk it to get the biscuit Celtics don't risk it no biscuit
1: that said, we agree with not flipping Marcus Smart for Aaron Gordon.
0: Yes, exactly. At the end of the day, that's the one thing we can fall back on. I love Marcus Smart, and I think his value to the Celtics is real. Like I said, their troubles really started when he got injured.
1: Yeah, and again, just to wrap up this point before we hit on the juicier trade deadline stories, which are going to be in Matt's take, um, I don't think Aaron Gordon moves Neil for the Celtics. And I really, the, the reason that I think it's important to keep smart on the Celtics team has less to do with his play and honestly more to do with just him being the culture guy, the system guy. And the moment you move him and now you stay under 500 for a whole season, it goes from like, you know, everyone is already, we're, we're the ones starting to question Boston right now, but we're ahead of the curve. And if they trade for Aaron Gordon, you know, pay him $20 million a year and they don't do well, well, people are going to start asking a lot of questions, not only about Brad Stevens, but also about Danny. So that's the take. I'm, and I'm with you and we can get into this Aaron Gordon deal right now.
0: Um, yeah. So funny though, Aaron Gordon's a six, eight wing. I can't believe they didn't trade for him, but my next okay. take here, moving right along. Uh, if slash when seems like they will, but if slash when the Lakers get healthy, It's going to be another cakewalk for them to get into the finals. They're going to march right through the West. I don't think any of the moves that were made yesterday really pushed any Western Conference team over the edge at all. And we can start right now with Aaron Gordon because we've been talking about him. The Denver Nuggets traded for him. Um, Who did they even – I don't even know who they traded. They traded nothing pretty much for Aaron Gordon, I feel like.
1: First-round pick and Gary Harris.
0: Okay, yeah. So, I mean, nothing. (laughs) Because the Magic won't make any use of the first-round pick, and Gary Harris is washed. But they think he might still have something. But the real focus is on the Nuggets, who (laughs) – the Nuggets last year, I think, reached their their ceiling. And it might have kind of been inflated a little bit with the help of the bubble. But the Denver Nuggets last year had Jeremy Grant. And they lost him this year. And I think because of his departure, you've kind of seen them take a little bit of a step back. Um, This was a team last year, remember, they went to the conference finals. You lose Jeremy Grant. Now you really have no defense. (laughs) He was their best defender. He was their best perimeter defender. He was their most versatile defender. He was their best rim protector. That was really where his offense or his value lied. And he went to Detroit for a bigger offensive role. But they've kind of been lacking that. Now you plug in Aaron Gordon. Sure, he's a versatile defender. He can switch on screens. He can guard like two through four. and That's all well and good. But at the end of the day, they still don't have a rim protector. And if I'm the Lakers matching up with them again, nothing about their roster scares me, especially when you compare it to last year when we saw the Lakers shred them in the conference finals. So I, I don't even know – I just, I don't get it. I don't get it for Denver. I mean, I guess I do because you definitely improve your roster a little bit, but at the end of the day, I don't think it puts them over the edge.
1: I get it for Denver. Um, You know what else I love? What? Being right. Do you remember my take last week? (laughs) My reach last week was you look at the landscape of contenders in the NBA, and I don't think that anything is really going to move a needle as far as making someone a contender that wasn't before or getting in LeBron's way in the West. And I think that Aaron Gordon was a necessary step by the Nuggets. They are maybe an inch closer to being able to hang with the Lakers. You know, if the stars align, maybe there's an injury on the Lakers for even a game in a series, you know, you they needed someone to be able to not match up with LeBron James, but actually just like be the person assigned to guard him because Jeremy Grant was that guy last year and he wasn't that good at it. And LeBron averaged 28, nine and nine in that series. But with Aaron Gordon, you had a guy who at the very least is an athletic dude. We're talking like 6'10", crazy wingspan, fast as hell and can jump through the ceiling. So you get a wing who can you, at le- you can at least hang your hat on and be like, this is somewhat of a competent thing for a team to do, put him on LeBron James, <laughs> because frankly, otherwise, we're going to put Jamal Murray on him or Paul Millsap. They've been playing pretty much small ball this whole year, starting Gary Harris or Will Barton at point guard next to Jamal. But now you plug Gordon into the lineup next to Michael Porter Jr. You've got some length, you've got some switching ability, even though MPJ is truly a liability on the defensive side as well. Long story short, this gets them an inch closer. But bear in mind, like, if you're Denver, you're not going to be really landing huge marquee free agents. And what did they want all season? They wanted Bradley Beal to come on the market. And that didn't happen. So they settled for the next best thing they could do. And that's bringing Aaron Gordon, who, again, an inch closer, if the stars align. Maybe there's an injury in the Lakers. They, they have that outside chance. Jamal obviously has to get super back to bubble hot for that to happen. But I think they're a better team today than they were yesterday at a relatively inexpensive price. So I like the deal. That said, I don't think there's much in LeBron's way in the Western Conference if they're healthy. It, I mean, it is noteworthy, though, that they might be playing from like a four or five seed. They could lose home court advantage to the Nuggets. And then if they're not healthy at all, then it could become a tough series. Um, so that's, that's all I got to say about that, to quote Forrest Gump.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, it's all, it's all very, it's all true. I agree with it all. Um, like I said, Lakers got to be healthy. They need both LeBron and AD if they're going to be making a finals run, if they're missing either of them for any amount of the time in the playoffs, they're in Forget trouble. About it. The, yeah. uh, the other big trade, big trade with quotes I, that happened in the Western conference, uh, the, the Blazers, they made a move for Norman Powell. And this was the biggest head scratcher of the day for me. They give up Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood for Norman Powell, and I really don't understand it. What, what Portland needs is Aaron Gordon. That's where I wanted to see Aaron Gordon end up. Um, right. they, they really need his presence as a wing, a versatile defender, because we know that offensively, Damon CJ got it taken care of you you had you had your depth on the bench your guard depth on the bench with those guys that you traded and it was fine does Norman Powell really make you that much better especially if you're getting rid of two guys for one you kind of lose a little bit of that depth
1: dude that's I think that a better reach that we could have kicked this off with honestly would have been that the Blazers should have moved for Aaron Gordon because they could have paid a high like Right off the bat, the guys they moved, Rodney Hood, Gary Trent Jr., are, like, both better than Gary Harris. So you throw them in with a first-round pick, you should have been able to get Aaron Gordon. Honestly, I think that is a great take um, because there's a team that needs to make themselves better. Norm Powell, I mean, like, you're literally just making a trade to add four inches to the bench in height. So uh, you're right that it's a head scratcher. It doesn't move a needle. I, I can't believe Norm Powell's name has come up on this show. That's huge for Norm. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> he's made it. He made it to the big time. Congrats, Norm. Proud of you. What I, what I,
0: what I really love uh, about Aaron Gordon's game and why I think he's such a good, or he would have been such a good fit for the Blazers, and credit, to, credit to Nekia's Sports Guru Duncan because uh, I got this insight from him. Um, but. Aaron Gordon, the way he was being used in Orlando was as an initiator, a facilitator. He was the one creating offense because he was the only, like, the best player in their team. He's not really equipped for that. He, he makes some passes that just make you scratch your head, and he was averaging like four turnovers a game. He was not taking care of the ball. His numbers were good, but he was not taking care of the ball. For all of his athletic traits that you mentioned before, I think he is a much better finisher than he is a facilitator so if you could yeah. use him as the screen and roller and you can get him the ball in space he, he pop, is a plus roll. yeah and so this is a guy who shoots almost 40 percent from three this season so he's shown he can knock down shots he's averaging a career high in assists per game so he's been he we know he's a capable passer um and so if you can get him going in space where he just gets to make those quick decisions i think that would be beneficial for him um and like I said, you know, getting him in the pick and roll with both CJ and Dame, I think, would have been so much better just because of the pressure that's taken off of him by those guards. I would have loved to see him in Portland. I, I think that could have been a move that kind of – that would have been a significant move for Portland. They didn't do it. I think all these teams swung and missed. And I think yep. if everyone's healthy at the end of the season, it's going to be the Lakers in the finals once They're again. I'll
1: add – I do think that the Nuggets leapfrog the Jazz to me with this trade. Like, they, by fair. virtue of why do we call the Jazz pretenders, they don't have someone who you can, like, objectively match up and be like, this guy should be the person we have guarding LeBron James. I mean, they're going to have, like, Royce O'Neill on LeBron James. But now the Nuggets have that. And let's not sleep on Aaron Gordon, honestly. Like, this is a guy who was averaging, like, 15 a game this year, was averaging, like, 19 a game a few years ago. And you're right, hasn't been playing the style that he's meant to this whole time. So you add length and defensive grit to a Nuggets lineup that can suddenly switch on stuff. And I, and I think that's very valuable. And, again, it doesn't make them my favorite in the West, but it does mean that the stars could align. And if a few things go their way, even if you call it a 5% chance they win the NBA title, that's valuable. If, you, if you're Denver and, you, and you're not Miami and it's hard for you to sign guys, that's pretty much as good as you can get.
0: So you're saying there's a chance. That's all you could ask for.
1: All you can ask for. All right.
0: Um, Shout out? Well, no, one more point I just wanted to hit on from the trade market. Um, we, we kind of talked about the West Com- the Western Conference, the Lakers. We think they're going to get to the finals. The real question is, who are they going to be playing against? And we talked about a couple of the Eastern Conference teams last week, uh, namely the Sixers. And we also mentioned the Heat. And the Heat made one of the bigger moves of the trade deadline by acquiring Victor Oladipo And what did they have to give up for Victor Oladipo? Crazy. Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. Like, what? That's crazy to me. Pat Riley has done it once again. He is the most certified OG wheeler and dealer, best GM in the sport, no doubt. In my mind, there's no doubt. Everyone talks about Danny Ainge and Sam Presti and Daryl Morey and all these guys. No, you got to look at what Pat Riley does. He's like the godfather of the league. Yeah, he is. The heat
1: now with Victor Oladipo, that's a scary team. It's a scary team. But Victor Oladipo, a guy averaging 20 a game this year coming to what was already probably the deepest roster in the NBA. So it is crazy. And Victor Oladipo, by the way, not to mention a guy, a recent all defensive team selection being added into one of the best defensive backcourts in the NBA. So, I mean, it's crazy. Like, when you you try to wrap your head around who should be starting on this team, so many guys come to mind. Hero, Robinson, none. Like, you wonder how there are minutes for any of them. Jimmy, Goron. Like, that's just a backcourt. <laughs> yeah, um, and Andre Iguodala and, like, these right. guys. It's crazy. Um, so, they're deep. That matters in the playoffs. Like, you know, as, as series get gritty, their depth will absolutely come in handy. I wanted to make a take on the show that I thought they leapfrogged the Sixers with this trade, but I'm, I'm not confident enough to say that, honestly. Um, but I'll go as far as to say three teams I'm considering coming out of the East, and it's the Nets, the Heat, and the Sixers. I'm not going to throw the Bucks in even on that level, even though they're killing it.
0: Ugh, oh, it's so funny because last week you get up on the show. You say, the Nets have won 15 of their last 16. How could they not go to the finals? Wait, and the Nets
1: then... are my favorite to come out of the East. Of course they are. I'll no, and,
0: the and so the... no
1: matter how much depth you add, like at the end of the day, you're going to have Victor Oladipo. Sure, he's all defensive team selection regarding James Harden.
0: Let me finish my point, please. I see, you, you get up here and you say, the Nets have won all these games, so they're definitely finals contenders. The Bucs have won like thir- 12 of their last 13 since the All-Star break, but we can never throw them in title contention, right? We can never do that. The Bucks. The, no, I'm being sarcastic because I you know. refuse to. The Bucs are definitely in the mix. I'm not saying – they're definitely in that mix. They're in that top four Eastern, of the Eastern Conference. With the Heat, though, the Heat are also in that top four, and I think – It's just – gonna. the only thing that remains to be seen is if Victor Oladipo is really willing to buy in fully into what the Heat are all about because it's going to take some sacrifice on his end. You mentioned he's averaging 20 points per game. He's not going to average 20 points per game on the Heat, and he has to be okay with that because some guys' egos get hurt when that happens and all of a sudden he's averaging 14 and he doesn't feel – so he's going to have to buy in. Defensively, though, this team is scary on paper – Um, Just so much versatility. The fact that they get to bring in Oladipo without having to move Robinson or Harrow. I mean, that's just about as good as you could ask for. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Oladipo fits into this already stacked heat roster. It really is going to be crazy, but the heat have potential to make noise. The bucks definitely have the potential to make noise. And it's so funny because like, over the last few months, I went from roasting the Bucks and saying they could never to now yeah. being fully back on board, and I'm back on board.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is my issue with the Bucks is the same as it was when they traded for Draymond, which is I still don't think they have such a dependable late game scoring. I still think it's kind of a, that inside out game they've been playing forever. That you know, last year the Heat threw a two three zone at them, and it pretty much left them uh, scratching their heads because you trap Giannis in the middle, you got guys out on your shooters, and it's hard for them it's hard for them when you're not that versatile offensively but um one thing i will say about the heat we can call pat riley the godfather this was a savvy trade for sure But let's flash back to about two three months ago when the heat could have had james harden but didn't want to include tyler hero in a deal
0: they they got Harden just now at the deadline deadline i mean but would he have been playing at an mvp level in miami if, they, if he showed up to Miami and was like, yeah, dude, you got to wake up at 5.30 and come run sprints because you're 50 pounds overweight, he'd be like, what? That Again, like the Heat yeah. culture, it's a very, very specific, very hard-nosed, grinded-out culture that, like, they're not taking any – they're not playing any games. They're not taking any funny business. I don't know. I, I don't know if James Harden – I don't know. It like, we will never know. It's all just speculation. If he would have wanted to really buy in, the only reason he bought in was because he got to go play with his boys and join KD and Kyrie. So,
1: so. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think, I think it ultimately would have been fine him on the heat. I think, I think he ultimately would have absolutely gotten on with the culture. Cause it, it, the truth is it's a very special kind of guy who can't because it's such a winning culture. So I, I think he would have fit in, you know, and, and I think they'd be a much better team now, honestly, if, if, They had executed that. I will go on record saying that I think that they should have pulled the trigger on Tyler Hero for Harden among picks, which they certainly could have done given that all the Rockets ended up getting as far as players and that compensation was like Karis Levert. I mean, ultimately they flipped him for Oladipo, but it was like Karis Levert. So I think that would have been better for them. That said, still a good trade. I do think they're, you know, they're scary with their depth. Um, but I don't know if it's enough to push them over the edge compared to last year. I don't know if it's enough to fortify all their shortcomings and stop them from beating the Lakers. But it's a lot, so we'll see.
0: I, know. I mean, you say beating the Lakers, that would mean that they get back to the finals. So the right. Eastern Conference is going to be—it's—it's it's deep. There, there are more than a few good teams. I'm excited to see those playoffs happen. Um, but that—that that should we'll just about do it for that. that. Out every um, week we will i mean as time goes on we're gonna learn more and more about these teams and hopefully get a better read on them um let's wrap things up now let's move into shout outs i'm gonna go first just to uh, ride off of this heat discussion it's actually a not so shout out for tyler hero and we mentioned his name a couple times tyler hero this season is shooting worse from three than russell westbrook Oh, no, that's so bad. If you, I mean, if, if you've watched the show before, I've been on Russell Westbrook because he's like the worst three-point shooter in the history of the league at his volume, and Tyler Harrow is having a worse season than him. Tyler Harrow is another case of getting hot in the bubble, and I think he was a bubble fluke. Not that he's a bad player – but in the bubble, he was a starter averaging 20 points per game, and everyone was like, this kid is a superstar. Like, everyone needs to relax. They wouldn't
1: trade him for James Harden. Like, think about that.
0: Yeah, and I'm, actually, I'm with you on that. Like, I don't think he's untradeable, but I don't think they really needed to make the move for Harden. I feel like they're – I feel like they feel like they're good enough to win without having to blow up their core. Like, Tyler Harrow, he's still just 20 years old, so you want to keep him around as part of your future if you can. You know, there's no reason to just set, send him off for no reason.
1: Let's say this, more like Tyler's sidekick.
0: Wow. Here, Tyler Sidekick, new nickname.
1: Dude, for real, though, he's not an alpha. He's not going to be taking over playoff games like that anymore. Sure, he had the 37 bomb last year in the bubble. But, I, again, I agree. Like, guy who's not shooting well, it's maybe you know caught a slump. But, like, you're a shooter. It's what they're paying you for. You got to shoot the ball well. Um, that's why Duncan Robinson's been starting games also. But I digress. I like the not-so shout-out. He should not be shooting worse than Russell West Brick as we so lovingly call him on this show. So, Tyler, you've got to earn back your last name. Henceforth, you are Tyler's sidekick on the Armchair Analyst podcast, until proven otherwise.
0: Yeah, and before you go with yours, just one more stat on him. He's 11 for 51 from three in the month of March. That's just over 20%. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he's this bad of a shooter, and I think it's definitely a slump. But, yeah, I mean, Tyler Harrow, he's going through it. Is that bad? It's certainly not good at all. Um, Keep it rolling though, you got a shout out for us. Keep it rolling though, you got a shout out
1: for us. Yeah, my first shout out's gonna go to a man very near and dear to my heart. This is Lou Williams, very relatable guy. He was in the NBA bubble. The one rule is he can't leave, but we've all been there. You're sitting somewhere, someone tells you to stay, and you just get that craving, that sweet sensation that makes you feel like home, those magic city wings. So you're Lou Williams, and what do you do? You put a paper bag on your head, and you sneak out of the NBA bubble to have a driver drive you from Orlando to Atlanta to get your wings. That, I mean, if that ain't American, I don't know what is. And here's Lou Williams out here getting traded from the Los Angeles Clippers to the Atlanta Hawks. Lou, I hope you enjoy the wings. I hope I see you at Magic City someday. I am so happy you can be that much closer to the wings that were so good that they were, I mean, they were worth it. They were worth you sitting out of three weeks of basketball to eat.
0: I, I don't know if you ever saw the picture that surfaced of those wings, but those wings, they looked amazing. Um, I don't even know. Apparently Lou will, when the trade deadline was approaching, he said, if he gets traded, he's getting traded to Lou Willville and he's retiring. He's not playing anymore. So he might hang him up because of this. I don't know. But Lou Williams, the man, he I think he has two wives. And it's and everyone's everyone's cool with it. He he's just a he's a different breed.
1: I think he also spent most of quarantine. You can look this up on a boat with like six girls. (laughs) The dream. Uh, someone comments, don't pretend you haven't gotten them Notice That is actually true. I have had the Magic City Wings. They're delicious, man. I, I tried <laughs> five hours for these. Sh- shout out Dylan for commenting that. Um, but, yeah, I get it. You got your next shout out, man, man?
0: Uh, yes, I got my last one right here. Um, Tobias Harris. I think this guy, he gets no love. Um, a friend of mine uh, from college, Brady Berman, very good friends with Tobias Harris from back in the day. Tobias Harris is a Long Island kid. I don't know if you know that. Um, Jappiest player in the NBA. Jappiest player in the NBA. It's true. And he didn't make the all-star team, and he came out, he was, and he was calling coaches out. He said he has his list of people that wrote him off, and he is an all-star. And everyone was kind of like, yeah, okay, Tobias, whatever since er, since march really they they've been without Embiid, and the sixers are 9 and 1 and they really haven't skipped the beat and it's largely because of the play of tobias harris he's stepped up like crazy he's averaging 23 points per game eight rebounds five assists he's slashing 50 50 90 so i mean he's shooting lights out from the field Tobias Harris is definitely an all-star caliber player although he might never make an all-star team in his life he is definitely worthy of some praise so have to send the shout out to Tobias Harris keeping the Sixers afloat and my fantasy team keeping my fantasy team afloat too so double shout out
1: that's a legit shout out he is an under-recognized player he's absolutely balling right now and part of the reason the Sixers are like legitimately scary you're right
0: I mean, without Embiid, we were like, how will they survive? And
1: this is how. Here's how. Yeah, you're. when you're right, you're right in that. Um, <laughs> my last shout-out is going to go to everyone named Gary in the NBA. Happy trails. Yesterday, <laughs> every single player named Gary in the NBA was traded. You got Trent Jr., Cole, Harris, you name it, they moved. And it is crazy also that 46 years after Gary Trent Sr. was traded from – portland to houston i believe was the move his son was traded in his third season from portland to houston wow there you go full circle crazy but everyone named gary i wish you the best in your new destination that's all i can say on that one you got any more shout outs before we sign off here oh shout out the listeners you guys are the reasons we do this uh specifically apartment 11b thank you 11b who's in 11b Lillian and her friends. I promised him a shout-out.
0: Uh, ah, the classic. Shout-out Apartment 11B. Shout-out Dylan Greenberg if you're still here for joining us so early in the morning before you get Seriously. on your 9 to 5 grind. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate the comments.
1: guest host.
0: Oh, my God. One of the original guest hosts. And he definitely broke a chair, didn't he?
1: Something like that. It was bad. <laughs>
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week. As always, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Please check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Whichever medium floats your boat, we are there, Um, and we'll be back. Actually, I'm moving next week, so next week is going to be sketchy, but we'll figure out the time, and we will be back next week. And, yeah, that should do it.
1: Thanks for tuning in, knuckleheads. (laughs)